following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. I want to I talk to you today about something that we all, we all deal with, we all work with. Um, you know, if you're like me, you would love to know what God is up to, Right? You would love to know, how many you would love to know what is the next thing God's going to be doing in your life? How many would love to know that? Yeah, we, we want to pursue God. We love God. He loves us. We want to pursue his will. But when it comes to details, when it comes to details, we wish we could get in fully on what he is doing next. I know uh, the Bible tells us in, in, in Romans chapter 1 that God gives us some basic revelation just in nature alone. Nature alone describes uh, the way he works and what is good and how things operate just in nature, Romans says. And then we can go deeper into the word of God and get even deeper revelation on what his will is for our life, how God works, what he likes to do, how he wants to partner with us in his will. And then even beyond that, he gives us his Holy Spirit who speaks to us, comforts, guides, counsels, sometimes gives us words of wisdom and words of insight or revelation and it is beautiful to hear from God and get further clarity. But if you're like me, sometimes, sometimes you don't hear, right? Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you don't know what God is up to and you're seeking and you wanna know or you wish you could know and you gotta make decisions and you gotta navigate your life and you, you wish you knew exactly what God wanted. As we learn how to walk out our faith, sometimes we, we, we hear correctly and we do the right thing, which is blessable and rewardable. And sometimes we might make the wrong choice and those choices are not blessable. Sometimes, hopefully, we learn from our own mistakes when we make a mistake and we go, wow, I think I should have listened a little differently. I should have lined up with God a little better on that. And then sometimes you might notice others making a mistake. How many of you guys? from somebody else's mistake. Prefer, all right? It's way easier to learn from their mistake instead of yours. You know, the Bible says we know in part and we see in part, but someday we're gonna see fully. Someday we're gonna see him face to face. Has anyone seen him face to face yet? No, but we're gonna. We're gonna see him face to face. And when you see him face to face, you will know fully and it's gonna be absolutely beautiful. But in the meantime, Let us learn, let us try to discover, let us listen to the voice of God, let's get in his word, let's listen to the spirit, let's try to navigate our life in a way that we can literally commune with God and discern how the kingdom of God is supposed to be walked out in our life. As sons and daughters of God, we are citizens of the kingdom and we're walking out the kingdom and it's important for you and I to try to discern the kingdom. How does the kingdom of God work? What's my place in it? What does God want for me today? How do you and I discern the kingdom? You know, I think when we look at uh, the Bible, um, we can discern a lot of things about the kingdom that are very clear. But if you're like me, you, you read about the apostles and sometimes they discerned it very, very well. Um, they, they got in on some profound things. There's other times the apostles, the disciples did not discern the kingdom very well. You know, we, Peter gets a bad rap, doesn't he? Peter gets up, he says some dumb things sometimes, and we all go, you know, look at Peter. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna learn from him and not do what he did because he made some, some big mistakes, but he also did some profound things. 
He's the only guy to ever step out of a boat and walk on water besides Jesus, right? He's also pulling out his sword at the wrong time and saying other dumb things. But the point is, we can learn from the mistakes of others. We're looking at a passage today, Mark chapter 9, if you turn there with me. Uh, We're going to look at comprehending comprehending the kingdom. We're going to look at the way the kingdom of God is rolling out and how you and I can better understand what God is doing, what's our place in his kingdom, how we can better discover his will, walk in his will, walk in his promises, and not miss out on opportunities. The apostles had some profound ones right in front of them, and they missed a few. They missed a few. And if we are honest, we miss a few also. I believe God has opportunities for us all the time. And if we could better discern what his will is, if we can better discern the kingdom of God right here and now, I think we'll we'll move forward in God's uh, opportunities in such a a greater way. Mark chapter nine, if you would turn there with me, we're gonna look at this in sections. This passage is about when Jesus just comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. He's up there on this mountain. He's got three only three apostles with him, Peter, James, and John. They're on the top of this mountain and they get in on this glorious experience where Jesus is met by both Elijah and Moses. And it's overwhelming, it's, it's profound, it's one of the coolest snapshots of a miraculous moment in the New Testament. And Jesus comes down the hill and when he comes down the hill, the other nine apostles are down there and it's chaos They go from a holy moment on the hill down to a chaotic scene at the bottom of the hill. And the story has got this like clash moment, like what is happening right now? Jesus comes down the hill and he encounters this environment with the other nine apostles. There's other Pharisees, scribes that are arguing with him. There's a demon-possessed boy who's basically in pain and a father who's in agony over it and there's a complete argument and a frenzy on, uh, on why things aren't happening. How come God's not doing something and if God was gonna do it, why doesn't he do it? And, and, and there's a big, there's confusion. They're not discerning the kingdom of God. They're not discerning uh, the kingdom. And so let's look at how we can view this and maybe hopefully discover and understand the kingdom in greater dimension. Uh, Mark chapter nine, beginning in verse 14 It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive the spirit out, but they couldn't out. Jesus comes down from this profound holy moment. Absolutely phenomenal scene. If you want to go back and read the passage, this transfiguration moment, the glory of God present, the voice of God, just amazing things happen. And Peter, James, and John experiencing the most wonderful thing they've ever seen in their life. Come down the hill, a scene of total chaos. We got teachers of the law who are supposed to know the word of God, arguing with the disciples. The disciples at this point, they're defeated. They're defeated. They really tried to do something. God, would you do something here? They really tried to do something and it didn't work. 
Maybe you've been like that. Will you try, God, would you please do this? And, and you pray and you, you ask God to do something. You're desperate for God to, and, and it didn't work. And you're like, now what? Now what? And you got all these religious leaders going, yeah, now what? Come on, you guys are supposed to have this down. They're all standing around going, you guys don't even know what you're doing. And they're arguing with them. They're arguing about this environment, about this little boy. You got the teachers of the law arguing. You got the disciples who were defeated. You got a father who's very disappointed. And you got a little boy who's demonized. That's the scene we walk into right here. And the man says, teacher, I brought my boy to you. Now, interesting thing, Jesus wasn't there. He was on the hill. But the man says, I brought the boy to you. There's something about this I think we need to understand when it comes to discerning the kingdom of God. We are called the body of Christ. Can you say body of Christ? That means by definition, we represent. You and I, we represent. We are the body of Christ. The hands, the feet, the eyes. You might be the only Jesus some people ever meet. Not literally, but him through you, right? You might be the only one they ever meet. And this man says, Jesus, I brought my boy to you. Jesus wasn't there, but he did the next best thing. Bring the boy to the people of God. Bring the boy to the people who know Jesus. You know about him. You know about his love. You know about his power. I'm bringing him to you. I think it's pretty revealing right here that as disciples, the disciples stepped into this moment. You're bringing him to Jesus. Jesus isn't here In faith, we're going to step into this moment. We are going to represent Jesus. We're going to do what Jesus did. Jesus told us to do what he did. He said, do the things I've done. They're doing the right thing. They're stepping in to this. And that's what we are called to do, to represent him well. This little boy, he is demonized. He's having what appears to be these epileptic seizures. But it is not natural, physical in nature. It is spiritual in nature. It is because of demonic influence. A demon is in this boy. We can get into it, but we're not today on how in the world did a demon get in the boy. We don't see anywhere in scripture where demons just jump in people. You don't touch something and the demon gets in you. Uh, It doesn't happen. We don't see transference of spirits like that. What we do know spiritually about the demonic realm, the Bible tells us there's a reaping and sowing, that if we sow to the things of God, we'll reap from the things of God. There had to to be at some point an openness to the darkness of the, the realm of darkness. I don't know if the father was uh, having palms read and tarot cards or doing, I don't know what he was doing, but I don't know what this household got involved. We don't know. It's speculation. All we know is they must have opened themselves up to a realm where this is now a reality in their home. This is one thing we, you know, when you look at the Bible, we don't see just demons jumping into people. Um, and so this boy, unfortunately, is demonized. And he's having these fits. And when he has them, uh, obviously he's deaf, he's shaking, and he's uh, in these violent convulsions. Now the disciples, they tried. They tried. And here's the thing. They've done this before. They've done this before. They've dealt with the demonic before. Jesus has sent them out before. They've come back before. They've said, Jesus, even the demons obey. And he said, that's awesome, but be even more glad that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. As cool as that is, that the demons have to obey you in my name, it's cooler that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. These guys have delivered people from demons before. And it says even in just a couple of chapters before this, um, in, in Mark's gospel, 6, 7, it says, I have given you all authority to trample snakes and scorpions. I've given you the authority. And yet this time, they try and they pray. It's not working. Wow, 
and they're defeated and their father is, is really bummed out. And the teachers of the law are arguing about them. Now here's what the teachers of the law were thinking. This is their worldview, just to give a little insight. The teachers of the law back in this era, this is what they thought about the demonic realm. They thought you had to know the name of the demon by name in order for it to come out. That's their worldview. The New Testament doesn't say you need to know the name of the demon, but this is what they thought. And they thought because this was a deaf and mute spirit that it wasn't going to speak and say its name and virtually impossible to cast it out. So they're probably arguing, again, it's speculation, how are you going to cast it out? You don't even know its name. Do you know its name? No, you don't know its name, do you? Ha, that's what, and the apostles are trying. They're, they're, they're praying it's not working. And there's this frenzy scene of all these people gathered around of people of God in darkness and there's a clash and nothing's happening. This time they tried, but this time they could not. And so Jesus, Jesus, by the way, when he steps up to this demon, and this is important too, when Jesus steps up into this demon, if you want to discern something about the kingdom and how the invisible realm works, it's important to know that Jesus does not address the person. He addresses the spirit behind the person. He always does that. He doesn't address the person. He doesn't say, hey, little boy, how you feeling? No, it's not the boy. It's what's behind the boy. Does that make sense? There's things in your life that you might be battling with and you're dealing with what you see and what's present. That's not the reality. That's not your war. You're fighting the wrong war. You gotta discern the kingdom. You gotta discern the spiritual realm. It's behind that that matters. And in this case, it's the spirit behind the boy, not the boy. And so Jesus doesn't talk to the boy or want to ask the boy's name. He goes right at the spirit. That's really important to know because that's simply the way it works. Um, in the kingdom of God and having authority. And he goes on in verse 19, he says, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion and he fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. And Jesus said to the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, question mark, said Jesus. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Listen, the power of God manifest in Jesus the Son walks up and the power of darkness is manifest in this child. And in the presence of Jesus, this demon manifests. This is not the first time in scripture. Even Paul walking down the road in the power of the fullness of the spirit and the demons behind him yelling out and freaking out, having a heyday. When Jesus came up to the cemetery and he got to the other side and this demonic guy just started falling down and flipping out. Why? Because hell can, is shaking in the presence of the kingdom of God. Hell shakes. Hell just shakes. Hell shakes because hell knows it's defeated, but hell gets to have a heyday in certain places at certain times. But Jesus came and gave us authority over that to cast out, and there's no name. He's got the name above every name that every knee will bow, every tongue confess, everything on the earth, below, in there, anything that was, that is to come, is subject to the name of Jesus, and you and I have that authority, and hell knows it. Hell is shaking right now, and hell is manifesting. When the kingdom of God is advancing, you can expect hell to manifest. 
don't like wonder if it will. In fact, if hell isn't manifesting, you got to wonder, is the kingdom going forward, okay? If the kingdom's going forward in the narrative of scripture following Jesus Christ, when the kingdom's moving forward, hell is manifesting and losing, but it's manifesting on its way to its loss. That's what's going on right here. So you can expect that in your life. If you see hell manifesting and you go, oh my goodness, don't run, charge, okay? Don't run, charge. A lot of people are like, well, I don't know, that's kind of freaking me out. I don't really like that. Listen, you gotta know this. If you're gonna discern the kingdom, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And you have to begin to discover and walk in this authority because it's a reality. There are things around you and me all the time that we don't always discern as spiritual in nature. Not to say everything is. We don't wanna hyper-spiritualize everything. But there are spiritual battles around us that we're not taking as spiritual. We think they're natural and they're not. They're not. There's an element behind it. We have to discern the kingdom a little bit better. This father, this father comes and he desperately wants his son to be healed, desperately. And I'm sure he's tried and asked many other people. He even brought his child to the disciples. And certainly you guys have done this before. If anyone can, I heard you can. And he's really disappointed. And so he goes to Jesus. And you might want to underline this in your Bible. In verse 22, he says, Jesus will... Honestly, Jesus, if you can, yeah, if, if you can. I mean, nobody else could. Even your apostles couldn't. I'm not sure you can. I hope you can. If you can, can you? If you can. And what I love about this, Jesus turns right around in verse 23 and says, no, sir, if you can. Hmm? No, Jesus, no, if, if you can. Jesus is like, no, if you can. Like, wait a second. I'm waiting on a miracle here. I don't understand. This guy's saying, Jesus, if you can, can you please do something? And Jesus says, sir, if you can believe, if you can believe, don't ask me if I, I can. That's not the question, I can. He doesn't answer, can I do it? Yeah, I can do it. I'll show you I can do it. Let me show you how I can and what I've done. He doesn't answer that question. Jesus, if you can, and Jesus says, if you can, if you can believe, sir, if you can believe is the question. The question is not, can I do it? I can do anything. I can do anything. I can do everything, Jesus would say. But he's not boastful and present. He's like, sir, the issue here, your son's healing is at stake. I know you're fighting for him. You've come to the right place, the way, the truth, and the life. But there's one question I gotta ask you, sir. Can you? Don't ask me if I can. Can you? Can you believe? Because it is through faith that we see the miracles of God. It is through faith that the blessings come. It is through faith that we even get on this journey of forgiveness. It is through faith that we have heaven. It is through faith that we begin to comprehend the kingdom. We begin to see the kingdom through faith. It's all through faith. And this guy's life is at a tipping point right here. He's basically hopeless. If you can, Jesus, no, if, if you can, sir. He's saying, you're focusing on my part. I want you to focus on your part. My part, I can do it. I'm the son of God in flesh, I can do it. But sir, can you believe? Can you place your faith? Faith is only as strong as the object in which you place it. 
Faith is only as strong as the object in which you place it. If you pr- place your faith in Jesus, then your faith is as strong as Jesus. Does that make sense? If you put your faith in government, it's only as strong, and that's broken. If you put it in systems, if you put it in you know, businesses, hey, that's all over the place. The pendulum swings. But you put your faith in God, and it is strong as the object in which you placed it. And God is unshakable, and he's all-powerful, and he's all-knowing. And if you and I are trying to discern the kingdom, I would suggest that we put our faith in the one who can, because he says he can. Jesus is saying, I can. The question, sir, is can you believe? Can you believe me? Can you believe that I will? Jesus, in the context of this, says everything is possible for him who believes. That's the context. Everything is possible for him to believe. The Father is saying, if you can do anything, and Jesus is saying, I can do anything, I can do everything, sir, can you believe? So I would suggest to you this morning, if you're a note taker, you want to take down a few key insights to comprehending the kingdom of God so you and I can pass the tests along the way, so you and I can better understand what God's doing in our life, so you and I can not maybe learn from our own mistakes or from others, so that you and I can move forward in our comprehension and understanding of what God is doing. The first one is this, know that possibilities become realities when we believe he can, when we believe he can. He says all things are possible through me. Now, do you believe that some things are possible to him, through him or do you believe all things? I wanna ask you that question today because I think you need to come to terms with that. Do you believe some things are possible through God but other things aren't or do you believe all things are possible through God? That's up to you, that's up to you, listen, You'd be surprised. A lot of people, well, I know God can do this, but he, he doesn't do any of those things. And so you, you might not really believe all things are possible through God, but you've got to believe that. That's the words of Jesus. All things are possible through God. All things are possible through him who believes. And the, uh, the take home here for this in comprehending the kingdom is you've got to know that your possibilities become realities through belief. This man is his possibility, his hope, may or may not become a reality unless Jesus says, can you believe, sir? All things are possible if you believe. Can you believe? I can do it. Can you believe? And the amazing thing about God is the miraculous and the breakthrough in our life is not entirely based on our faith. It's based on God, his power, his sovereignty, his all-knowing, right? But the reality is even though God is willing and wants to do stuff, every time in scripture we see he is met through this intersection of faith which by the way, pleases God. God is pleased with faith. He rewards faith. So when God does wanna do something and Jesus was going town to town and doing miracles, when he went to his own town of Nazareth, the people there didn't have any faith. So he's like, I don't do any miracles here. And he's like, wait a minute. Why did you not do miracles there? He's like, because I wanted to and I wanted to meet them, but they weren't gonna meet me back. Does that make sense? They need to meet me back in faith. This guy here, Jesus, can you? (laughs) Yeah, that's not the question, sir. The question is, can you? Can you believe? Will you have faith? Will you meet me in this? Because if you will, great things are gonna happen today. And then this guy has this this tension, this struggle uh, with his faith, this crisis of faith that's coming to an end. It's amazing. Uh, It's important to know it's not just some possibilities. It's all possibilities. Uh, don't, Don't put God in a box. Don't figure out category because where God does this, but he doesn't do that and he will do this and I seriously doubt he'll do that. I mean, God is amazing. He's powerful. He's sovereign. Um, this, is, this is really key to our faith, guys. Um, remember in Acts chapter 12, you might remember the story. Peter is in jail. 
It's not looking good. His life might be ending soon. He's in jail. And then all of a sudden, suddenly, an angel of the Lord shows up and releases him from prison. You guys remember the story? Okay. The angel released Peter, but the prayers of the church released the angel. That's what happened. The prayers of the church released the angel. We just go, oh, the angel released him. No, the prayers of the church released the angel who released Peter. And if you look at that passage, you're gonna see, wow, it is connected. It even says before he was released that the church was playing relentlessly. Why? Because they believe all things are possible. Not prison cells, though. That's different because they've got bars and a key and a security. All things are possible. I mean, God is amazing. He can do all things. You gotta believe that. Now, this is what's great too in verse 24. Here's the reality. We wanna walk in faith. We desire to walk in faith. And sometimes, guys, we stumble. Sometimes we fall short. Sometimes, have you ever felt yourself where you had to say, wait, what am I doing? Where's my faith in this? Have you had a little more honesty in God's house this morning? Okay, hopefully all of us would be honest enough to say, you know what? I think I'm just lacking faith right now. I think I'm doing this in the natural. I think I'm figuring things out with my brain and I haven't been checking with God. I haven't been moving in faith. I think we're all capable of doing it if we're honest. And this man shares something. There's a beautiful insight in this narrative right here that I think uh, helps us and shows us a lot of our vulnerability, our own weakness, and, and the reality of God meeting us right in our own weakness. In verse 24, Jesus is saying, sir, I can. Question is, can you? Can you believe Verse 24, immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. In the Greek and in other translations, he's crying. It says in the, you know, if you look this up in the Strong's Concordance, he's crying, oh, I believe, but would you, God, would you help me? Mm, This is so hard. You don't know what I've been through with my boy, God. I believe you can, but uh, everything I've tried, everything I've tried, It didn't work out. And this might be another one of those times. And I don't want it to be another one of those times. I want this one to be the one where you break through, God. I really am hoping it is, but I'm not sure. I brought them to your apostles. I thought for sure they were gonna do it because they walk in your power and they couldn't do it either. (sighs) I believe, but God, I'm struggling. I have faith. I don't think I have enough. I'm just confessing it to you, God. Can you help me with my unbelief? Can you help me with this faith struggle? I'm having a little faith crisis here, God. I wanna believe, but I'm having a hard time. Can you help me with that? And it's an absolutely beautiful picture of this guy admitting the struggle like we need to do. Be real, be honest, confess it, say, God, I need help in the faith department. It's okay to ask God, God, help me in my level of faith because right now I'm running on fumes and I know the next section of my life, it's gonna take faith. It's gonna take a lot of faith and I don't have a lot right now and that's where this guy is at. Jesus obviously honors that prayer when we ask for faith. He will always honor that prayer. In verse 25 it says, when Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit stricken and convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind 
can come out only by prayer. Some translations say prayer and supplication. This is important, guys. We try to discern the kingdom of God. We try to discern how God works, when he does, why he does, why he doesn't, why are we still waiting. Uh, we, we try to understand this struggle of, God, what are you doing? And I thought it was going to go this way, and it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And now I'm really confused. The apostles are like, we, we've done this before. We, we seem to fail. And even other people were watching us. And, and it didn't work. And... and we're, we're, it's kind of messed with our faith, Lord. Would you, would you help us out on this? Because we, we don't know what to do with this, 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 this tension. I thought the kingdom was supposed to roll out this way and it didn't go the way we thought it was going to go and I guess we didn't discern it the right way, Lord. Just like we don't always discern it. And Jesus tells them things like this, there's certain things, there's certain things, there's certain encounters we have in life that require something much deeper than what you're thinking. It requires a much deeper faith. It, t- it requires a much deeper commitment. There's certain things that we're going to encounter in our life that we simply got to camp out with God. We got to go deeper. They're not surface things. They're not shallow things. They're deeper things. There's certain decisions you need to make where you got to stop and be still and know that it's God. There's certain decisions and there's certain opportunities or roads or choices where certain ones are so profound, you gotta stop and go way deeper because there's a lot more. If you wanna discern the kingdom, you gotta go deeper. And, and these guys, and this one, Jesus is like, this kind requires his prayer. In the Greek, it says supplication. The term is used for fasting, but it really is like a, a, a reinforcement. This kind of prayer that you needed for this, guys, you need to get under it more. You need to get under this kind of prayer. You, you, they must have went up to this guy with everyone watching, all the Pharisees and scribes arguing with him. We got this. We've done this before, right, guys? Come out in Jesus' name. Didn't work. Come out in Jesus' name. And it didn't work. Now, people are yelling and people are arguing. And Jesus is like, no, this kind, guys. You know, when Jesus raised the little girl from the dead. He told everyone in the room who didn't have faith, everybody get out. There's gonna be faith in this room. And we're gonna contend for her life. We're contending for her resurrection. And if you don't have faith, it's not time for spec. Everybody get out. And only Peter, James, and John got in on that one. And Jesus is like, arise. And she rose again. And it's this profound, there's this big thing of people arguing and it's not working. And I think because of the pressures and the environment, they didn't get under this thing with this kind of prayer. They didn't get under it. They didn't press in. They, did, they weren't staying consistent. The Bible says when it comes to prayer, to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. It, it suggests an ongoing momentum like the persistent widow. There are certain things in your life that you are gonna encounter. Maybe you're encountering right now. And guys, it's not gonna be the surface prayer. It's not gonna be, oh, Lord, bless that my day or Lord, help me make that decision. There's certain things, guys, that are bigger than that. They're more monumental and it's gonna take this supplication kind of prayer. It's gonna take getting under it and camping out and spending some time to, to make it count, be persistent, to magnify, to build up your prayer, not just a little surface thing, to really uh, ask, seek, knock, to press in. And for the second point this morning, that kind of prayer, that kind of prayer that's required, if you want to discern the kingdom, these guys missed it. They did not discern the kingdom in this case. They did not know how to cast out the demon. And Jesus is like, because here's why. You forgot to do this. 
It's going to take prayer and supplication. You didn't guys do that. You, you just kind of pray. You didn't really get under this thing. You really didn't work through this thing. You didn't press in. It takes a, a push prayer, a push prayer. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. You pray until something happens. So many people will say, yeah, well, I was waiting and nothing really happened. I already prayed about it and so nothing happened. So I, I moved on. And I hear it all the time as a pastor. I, I, I already prayed about that and God didn't do it. So I moved on. Who said move on? Did God say move on? No, but I prayed about it. Nothing happened, so I moved. No, some kind need prayer and supplication. Sometimes you need a push prayer. You need to keep contending and praying until something happens. That's the kind of prayer. In the upper room, when the Holy Spirit filled them, they were unity, one accord, praying and praying and praying. They're praying until something happened. They stayed in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. They prayed until something happened. They didn't go like, Yeah, no big deal. I put in my two minutes. I'm good. God didn't do anything, so I'm out. It's like, no. There's certain monumental moments in your life, guys. Decisions, pressures, adversities, and things. Well, you got to press in. If you want to discern the kingdom, you got to pray until something happens. It's been said that if the the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. Slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says go. It's on. God green lights it, poof, when those things are right. And we try to discern his timing, his will, his tempo. We try to discern these things, but these are ways that we begin to discern the kingdom. Uh, it moves on in verse 30, um, these last couple of passages, right, verses right here, give us greater insight on how we discern the kingdom because the apostles were not discerning the kingdom. And we get to learn from their mistakes. We get in on these insights as a result of it so that you and I can better discern the kingdom. It says in verse 30, they left that place and passed through Galilee And Jesus did not want anyone to know uh, where they were because he was teaching his disciples. And he said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. Jesus has been traveling with these guys three years They've gotten in on everything. They know so much about him. They've, they've walked with him. They've seen him multiply fishes and loaves. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen him do all these things. They even did these things under his authority. And yet, he's telling them so, something so important, something about the entire mission of why he came, which was to go to the cross and what's about to happen. Jesus is telling them their future and they, they didn't understand any of it. They didn't get anything. These guys are not discerning the kingdom. Something about to happen, something's about to happen in the history of their lives, walking with Jesus, that's gonna change the calendar, change the planet, change everything in spiritual nature forever. It's coming up real soon. And they're not clocking it at all. They, they don't know anything about it. I don't know how you can walk with Jesus three years and be completely clueless to what he's saying, but I think we can do the same thing. We can be walking with Jesus and sometimes be completely missing out on the next step. This one says right here um, that they didn't even know what he was talking about. They didn't understand, and they were afraid to ask. Um, For them to discern this one, for them to discern what was about to take place, we we know from reading the rest of the story, it's going to take them time. 
It's going to take them time. On the day of the cross, they don't really get it. I don't, I don't know why it had to go down this way. I thought it was going to go differently. On the day of the resurrection, they weren't standing at his grave because they didn't really know he was going to rise on the third day. The women went to bring spices and were floored to find that he's risen. But, but the guy, they, they weren't clocking it, guys. They weren't discerning the kingdom. They weren't seeing it that way. They were missing out. For them, it took time. It took time to discover how's the kingdom going to roll out? How's it going to unfold? Because right now, I, I don't get it. And in your life and in mine, sometimes, guys, it simply takes time. It simply takes time. You're in a situation. You don't know what God's going to do. You're praying. You're asking. You want a word. You want revelation. You want peace. You're trying to discover. You're walking in faith. Sometimes, sometimes, when you're doing all those things, it simply takes time. The calling of God can be very clear. The timing of God can be very confusing for many people throughout Scripture. You look at so many people with a calling of God in their life and the timing, they were way off the mark on the timing. They were right on the calling, but they were way off on the timing. I believe it's the same for our life. So if you're a note taker this morning, that's the third point, is sometimes it takes more time to understand what God's doing. Do everything you can to understand what he's doing. But when you have, realize that it simply sometimes takes more time. God says in Ecclesiastes, it says that he makes everything beautiful in, in its time. And that means some things you and I can't rush. Some things we can't move the clock of God, even though we want to, on certain things. And God's like, you have no idea. I hear your, what you're asking, but it's not good for you that way. It, it, you're not ready for it. Other people aren't ready for it. God's working out a whole bunch of things at the same time. He's like, yeah, I, I think you just need to just wait a second. Uh, in my time, I'm going to make everything beautiful. And so sometimes it simply takes more time to understand. And then it moves on in verse 30. And it says, they came to Capernaum. And when he saw, and when he was in the house, he asked them, uh, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet on the way because um, they had argued about who was the greatest. And sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. The apostles went through all these experiences, all these things they just saw, all these things they discovered, And these guys are apostles. They walked closer to Jesus likely than we did because they walked with them for three years, day and night. And these guys, in their position as the disciples, as the apostles, there was a pride, carefully started to well up in their life. This pride started to just rise up in their life. And on the way, they're asking, they're arguing with each other who's gonna be greatest in the context of the kingdom of God. Who is gonna be the greatest in the kingdom of God? These guys, if they're arguing about the greatest in the kingdom, they're not comprehending the kingdom because the kingdom doesn't work this way. It doesn't work about who's got rank and file on who, but yet these guys are not comprehending the kingdom because it's not about uh, greatness that way. They had it all backwards. Jesus says, guys, you're you're not comprehending the kingdom at all. If you want to really know in my eyes who's the greatest, it's the one who's the servant. It's the one who's willing to go low. If you're willing to go low, In my eyes, you are high. Does that make sense? This is important because sometimes when we try to understand the kingdom, we're not going to understand it unless we go low. Unless we go low, unless we humble ourselves, sometimes our own pride will block seeing and hearing things from God. Our own pride will get in the way. Our pride will color what God's trying to show us. Our pride will cloud what God's trying to speak to us. 
And in this passage right here, we're realizing greatness is going low. And when you go low, you comprehend the kingdom. When you go low, you don't even argue about who's the greatest. But when you have pride, you miss out on that. So the fourth and final point this morning is that we comprehend the kingdom through humility. Through humility is how we comprehend the kingdom. Sometimes it's just going a little bit lower. You'll never go wrong going a little bit lower. The greatest of all is a servant of all. We'll never go wrong going lower. It's in that place of humility and going lower that our ears are wide open. That's why sometimes when we're, pra- when we're in prayer and fasting, we're in this place where we're kind of denying ourselves. We're going lower in prayer and fasting. We're going lower and lower and lower. We're denying the flesh. There's no place for pride when you're in the middle of a prayer and a fast. It just kind of all peels away. And it's in those places that there's profound revelation. Why? Because we discern the kingdom when we go lower, discern the kingdom when we go lower. Um, one thing I want to share with you guys real quick this morning, um, and this might be great as the worship team comes up. I want to share something that we encountered here as a church this week. Um, a surprise that we came, uh, we were apprised of this week, a little surprise, and I think we need to share it with you. Um, it was a little bit of a curveball to us, and we are trying to comprehend the kingdom and walk in faith, so I think it's important to share this with you. Um, Last Thursday, uh, we had some people coming by and looking at the building, and uh, we were surprised they were coming to look at the building, and we said, can we ask, you know, what you're doing here? And they said, yeah, the church is for sale, it's on the internet. And we're like, really? Wow, well, that's interesting, because we have a lease with the owners, and our lease says that we have the first opportunity to buy it. And there hadn't been direct discussion about this, but we found out it was on the internet, so we had a meeting, we sat down with the owners, we still have six months remaining on our lease. But to our surprise, um, they are p- planning on selling this and leaving the country, uh, the owners, it was a Korean ministry that had this, uh, has, owns this property. And so we are uh, surprised to find that it's on the internet and it's offered as, um, it could be used as a church or it's also offered as a possible potential knockdown redevelopment for condos. That's the way it's offered. When we spoke to them early on, we said, you have to promise we wouldn't ever use it that way because it has to live on as a house of God. There's people who prayed over this property, who walked this property, who put in the cornerstones and built this as a place to worship God 60 years ago. And far be it from any of us to change that, amen? Amen. I mean, it's a house of God, right? And so uh, we were a little surprised. And so we said, well, well, guys, you know, I thought we said we were going to do it a little bit differently. And they said, listen, we want to sell it. We decided we wanted to sell it now. We want a high bid. You do have the first opportunity, but we're going to need an offer very quick from you because we have some coming in. So I want to share that with you so that together in faith, we can journey this thing together. This is something we just discovered this week. Again, we have six months in our lease here. So we're fine that way, but we believe God wants to do a greater work here. We believe what God began here, he wants to bring to completion. We believe in faith as there's already a bunch of uh, foster teens coming and we're imparting life skills and there's Bible studies with the local high school kids that really aren't, God is doing some great things. If you got to see the highlight reel recently of a ministry highlight reel, you get to see all the cool things that God did through this humble little ministry here on this corner, I believe God has greater things. I believe we're supposed to possess the land. But at the same time, we are, we are called to move forward in prayer and move forward in faith and move forward in sacrificial giving to make this a reality. We need prayer for the deposit. 
the financing in favor with the owner. We need prayer for the down payment, which we don't have the full down payment. We need help there. We need help with uh, favor with the owner that they would sell it to us and not a redevelopment opportunity for more money. We hope that the kingdom of God is a greater motivator than the profit opportunity and and then then our funding, our financing. These are three things that we need to get together. And I wanna ask you to please commit to pray for us because of this profound opportunity that we have. Um, But also at the same time, we wanna pray for the the Korean owners because we know they have a test right now. And it's called the stewardship test. And when God gives you a trust, you must prove faithful, is what the Bible says. Anything he trusts you with, you have to prove faithful. When you've been endowed with a building like this, that's a house of God of worship, you have to prove faithful with it. Our prayer is that they were past the test. We want them to pass the test. We want them to honor God and say, yes, absolutely, this must live on as a house of worship, period, 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 period. That's what we want. Right now, the ad is not worded that way. We've had other people coming by, developers. We had a lot of different people coming by and looking at it, so that's a little confusing right now. Like, why would they do that? So pray for their hearts. Pray that they would be this kind of stewards that would honor God with this property because I believe it all belongs to God anyway, amen? It belongs to God and what our prayer is that it will go from there under the care of their stewardship to our stewardship and we'll continue to honor this as God's property because it is God's property. So we wanna ask you guys to stand in prayer uh, for the down payment, stand with us in prayer that the owners will be good stewards and stand with us in prayer that we can um, uh, get the financing we need. Uh, because of that, I believe, uh, I want to encourage that it's probably going to take some sacrificial giving on all of our parts to make this happen. That's simply in the Bible when God was building the temple, it's like, okay, well, here's my part. And I want to encourage you guys to pray about what God might put on your heart to help make that happen. Uh, we have an offering box up here if, that, if you're compelled in that way or you know, online through our PayPal giving. But I want to encourage you guys, we're going to need to make some steps here as a church, some commitments into some uncharted area. We've never been this way before. And we want to discern uh, the kingdom of God. We want to walk faithfully. Um, if it's been said that if man can explain it, it's probably not God. Uh, God's got to be in it because it's, he does the impossible. So we're asking for him to meet us as we step out in faith and we are willing to move forward in the purchase and the acquisition of this property in faith. But I ask for your prayers because without your prayers and support, it's not going to happen. So l- let's move forward in faith and let's pray that the owners pass their test of stewardship in the meantime. Because just like God calling the, the Jews out of Egypt, He was calling them out, but the process was raising up Moses and raising up Aaron and Pharaoh saying no and saying no and saying no and saying no. And there was a process of a sequence of a lot of moving parts. In this one here, there's there's some moving parts and God's working on everyone's heart. He's working on all of us through the process. So we're gonna trust him in that. And on that note, I just wanna close in prayer and ask God to seal some of these um, things in our heart. Um, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the power of it, God. We pray that we would be the sons and daughters who can discern your kingdom, Lord God. Um, Lord, that we would um, learn from our own mistakes, God. We would learn from the mistakes of others that we would better uh, discern your kingdom, God. We would know that, Lord, the possibilities become realities uh, through faith, Lord, through believing that you can. Although we can't do things, God, you can do things, and we can do them through you. 
It's not by our strength or might. It's by the power of your spirit. We believe, God, that you can. And Lord, let us be people who pray like never before, who push, who pray until something happens, Lord. Let us be the kind of church that prays until something happens. And even in this building, Lord, we press in uh, that you would grace us with this opportunity of stewardship here. And Lord, that we would push in in that kind of prayer, Lord God. And and Lord, that we would um, sometimes, Lord, just take the time and be still to better understand what you were doing. And like the man in the story, who had faith, but said, Lord, I have faith, but I don't have enough faith, um, that, Lord, you would meet us there too. Because honestly, I think we all get like that from time to time. We're like, God, we believe, but, oh, this is a tall order, God. And we're gonna have to, it's gonna take more faith for the next step, faith that we don't have. Would you give us the level of faith to step out in the kind of ways that we're gonna need to step out? Crazy faith, trusting you, believing, God, that you can. Believing that you can, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray that we'll comprehend the kingdom through humility, that as we go low, we will hear better. As we go low, we will see with more clarity. God, we love you so much. We wanna declare your praises on this corner. We wanna be an epicenter for revival in this city on this corner. We believe the work you began in us, you wanna bring to completion in Christ Jesus. Lord, there are so much greater things you have for us and for the city. And I pray, God, that you would begin to make yourself known here more and more. We want you to be famous in the land, God. We want you to be famous in the city, God. And we pray that you would use us in this humble church of sons and daughters who love you and call you by name. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.